Hey, everybody. Welcome to Why It Matters, the podcast for the dreamers and the driven. We're changing the world their way. Our guest this week is Mandar Apte, the executive director of Cities for Peace. He is focused on building more peaceful and compassionate communities and does so by guiding individuals through deep inner transformations. By enhancing their mental and social well-being, the social connectedness of people within the community strengthens. Before we listen to this week's conversation, everybody take a second to settle in, appreciate where you are, and take a deep breath with me. And now, off to the episode. And we are live. Mandar Apte, welcome to Why It Matters. Thank you, Jedi Luke. <laughs> I'm a, I, actually, before we even get started, I have to ask about that name. Where does that come from? Which one? Jedi Luke. Star Wars. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. I want to hop into the, the topic and the content at hand. Um, so a little bit just first, Mandar and I kind of happened to cross paths and happened to cross paths around a subject that has really kind of, a, I think, a few names and labels put onto it, whether it's meditation or peace. Um, whatever it may be, but um, I've been fortunate to meet Mandar and have several conversations with him. Um, and now we're doing it on air, which is super exciting. And I would love to hear from you first. I gave kind of a little sneak peek, but how would you describe the space that you work in today and have worked in for several years? Uh, so, Luke, I uh, I do remember reaching out to you after hearing one, uh, your podcast and the, the the title of your podcast, which attracted me. Uh, currently, I uh, manage a nonprofit peace consultancy uh, called Cities for Peace. And the way I uh, started it about three years ago was to think about um, <clears throat> the challenges of uh, violence. And uh, unless we realize that it can happen anywhere, it can happen anytime. And unless we realize that maybe if it happens to me or in my neighborhood school, maybe I will do something about it. That was my wake up call that we are all waiting for an act of violence to be active. <laughs> so I started to think, uh, how can we actively promote peace and compassion? And that's the background to uh, the current work that I'm doing, uh, which, you know, in a polarized world uh, where something as simple as let's agree to disagree <laughs> seems like common sense, but that's very hard to, to see it in action. So that is what our work focuses on, is to bring uh, people who are seemingly opposites and find something that they all share, which is a common vision of, uh, you know, beautiful quality of life, uh, loving families, harmonious communities, peaceful neighborhoods, 
and all that starts with inner peace so today who doesn't want inner peace and for that we can come together right so if we can find something that we can all come together uh, which is empowering ourselves to be mentally healthy more health and well-being focus uh, that can uh, dissolve our differences is what i have experienced in my personal life professional life and now also my service life so how so, do you um, how did you create a space for people to come together around inner peace because when i hear that i can relate to it because i know you and kind of know what that idea is but if you take people that are any person outside of kind of the space in this conversation is like someone hears inner peace and you're going to come together around inner peace and especially for people that are hearing that who are in situations where they need inner peace most maybe they're in an abusive situation a violent situation a hateful situation whatever it may be how does i think kind of hearing that and being like yeah okay like all right that that sounds nice but how do you actually have people that need that type of thing, a space for inner peace, especially when there's that inner peace is bringing together people from such opposing and hateful sides together to come to some type of agreement. Um, so I'd love to hear about how you create a space for that dynamic to exist. Um, there is no magic bullet. There is no silver bullet of how do you create that space. Uh, but uh, my experience is unless I transform and I keep evolving myself, uh, unless I keep developing my own empathy, my own way to connect with uh, other people, uh, creating that space uh, could be a lot of effort. But if I'm connected to myself, if I am, uh, you know, working on myself, and if my intention is very clear that uh, I'm here only to give, I'm only here to, uh, you know, not judge. Uh, I'm only here to give people what I have learned or rather share what I have learned. Those are the prerequisites for anybody who's wanting to create a, a space where healing can happen. So unless you have gone through turbulence yourself and have found a way to come out of it without that practical personal experience, uh, I don't think we can authentically create a space for other people who are going through different challenges, but the journey is the same, right? Trauma. How do you heal from trauma? The trauma stressors could be different, but trauma is trauma. And if we can uh, find a way to not uh, quantify our trauma, like, you know, my, look, my trauma is $50. And who are you to tell me your, dra your trauma is only $5. If we are able to create that uh, inner acceptance or empathy that, uh, you know, we are all traumatized. And if we can find healthy ways to heal our trauma, then compassion is right there. We are all born with compassion. We are born with love. We are born with respect. So through my work, I think we are just sharing uh, tools, techniques, frameworks that have worked for me personally. And what I realize is uh, people do teach yoga practices. People do teach, say, meditation classes. I have also done that for more than 18 years, but 
my calling four or five years ago was to take this knowledge to communities and individuals who have no access to it. And they are the ones who need it the most. So, for example, a survivor of a violence event, right? We are so uh, immune to violence, especially in America. We are desensitized, like, okay, one act of violence happens, that's the news stream for that day. Tomorrow, something else happens. But what happens to the victim, the survivor of that event? For me, that was my calling. And so, reaching out to to those uh, demographics is how my work got started. I had the fortune of uh, being introduced to the parents of the Sandy Hook School. And uh, I led a pilgrimage to India with, uh, with them, along with some former gang members, Black Lives Matter activists. So for me, that was the, the pivotal moment in my life that, oh my God, there are so many people who we all forget we remember the incident, but we forget that there are they are also human beings and they also need a, a breathing space to heal. That is how I got started, uh, Luke. Thank you for that. Um, super powerful. And really just listening to that and internalizing it just makes so much sense. Um, and if you could talk about, so now that you have this, I love the idea of you bringing your authentic self because I think that is the only way to create a space. Otherwise it will kind of feel fake. Um, and so building on that, you have this, this precedent of an authentic self and a space where people can come together. And so maybe you can use this story of the pilgrimage to India um, to explain how, like what actually happens. So now that you have this place for people to come together. So what happens when you have a mother who is, a survivor of Sandy Hook who lost her child and you have some other people who were involved with gang violence. It's like, how do you, you brought two, those are two types of people that you brought together um, on this pilgrimage to India. And it's like, what, what was the experience that they had when they went? And maybe if you could describe a little, little bit about like what the whole idea behind that was. Yeah, so about uh, six years ago, uh, maybe this same month, uh, I had uh, I had just gotten my American citizenship. I was going to vote in that 2016 election. And I did not like what I was seeing on television. <laughs> and so I, I had picked up Dr. King's autobiography and I was reading that book. And uh, while reading the book, I came across 30 pages of his travel to India. And I knew, I knew nothing about the fact that uh, Martin Luther King Jr. at a young age had traveled in India for five weeks. Uh, I, nobody had told me this. So I called one of my American friends and I shared with my friend and she said, no, no, we don't know. Nobody knows. So that uh, is when she told me, Mandhar, why don't you lead a journey? America needs another journey. And so together we uh, created this uh, journey for people who are from different walks of life, who have been uh, affected by different types of violence and people who are on all kinds of spectrum, you know, black people, white people, Mexican backgrounds, uh, school teacher infected by racial violence. So different people 
and the idea was what if we walk the intention of martin luther king jr and uh, see what happens so that's the spirit of the pilgrimage uh, and that was converted into a documentary film unscripted film uh, it's currently on amazon it's called from india with love and uh, that uh, trip i was also trying to figure out how can i be part of the solution and uh, that is where i learned that you know sandy hook for example one of the darkest days in my adult life it can happen anywhere it can happen in my child school in my neighborhood school and then we will go with flowers and candles uh, and that for me was a very yucky feeling that you know i'm waiting for an act of violence mm. when i can actively promote peace and compassion i'm taking it for granted that you know my children my neighborhood my organization uh, we are all peaceful but it may not be the case right who knows what's happening in your personal life right so that is where i started reflecting on the inner peace that i had access to that i had learned how to meditate how to you know use my breath to calm my mind down to be equanimous it's a life skill that is so valuable and if we can bring that life skill at an early age children don't need to go through experiences of uh, you know anxiety and depression and bullying because these are all real problems you know and uh, in america the opioid crisis it all boils down to not being able to manage our negative emotions you know many people will tell us uh, sermons like you know don't get angry it's okay things will calm down but what does a individual do when uh, they have fear they have uh, you know a panic attack they are scared right or there is domestic abuse like what does that person do and that is where i uh, feel uh, more should be done by civil society right so that's uh, that's our initiative is to empower civil society leaders and change makers to be the change in their organizations in their neighborhoods because uh, violence can happen anywhere it doesn't look at your skin color it doesn't look at your social political views economic bank balance it can happen anywhere if you are at a starbucks there could be an act of violence right there so was the essence of the trip to india kind of touching on that thing you briefly mentioned is bringing the the negative emotions and the negative stresses kind of out of people and so that they could kind of have it almost relieved from their system so that they can then um use that as a way to to deal with the negative emotions which is in itself trauma um and move forward and if that was kind of the essence of the trip and kind of relating that to the breath and meditation maybe you could speak on what that act means and when i say act i mean like of breathing and and creating a space for people to come together and deal with trauma and how like meditation in itself and and breathing and breath work is something that is super missed at least for people that kind of don't spend time in it because 
I was listening to someone the other day talk about how they do work with um, the like U.S. like Navy, some pilot, whatever. And he's saying that once they understood, the people in the military understood that it's not some soft, squishy thing. It's like a thing that it's a tool that'll help you get your job done better. It was like a wow moment. Um, so maybe if you could talk about like this, the intersection of those things in terms of. See, the, the trip, the film trip was based on a hypothesis that Dr. King went to India to study nonviolence, ahimsa, but Gandhi had died. So they never met each other. So the hypothesis is Dr. King's transformation was based on a travel in India, meeting with the people of India, tasting the culture of India. And if you read what he has written, that trip made a huge difference to his understanding of nonviolence. So the premise of the film is the trip to India that gave that transformative impulse to a legend. Can we learn from that travel and immersive travel uh, today? And uh, during the trip, uh, the wisdom of India, you can say, you know, if the whole world is a home, India has always been that prayer room. People have always come there for reflection, for transformation. Uh, not just Dr. King, but you, you know, Steve Jobs and Mark Zuckerberg and Mark Benioff and thousands of people uh, have come. Julia Roberts, like so many people have come and transformed. And uh, that uh, you can say is the spiritual uh, gift of India is how do you transform your uh, mind, body, soul complex? And that science is very simple. The science is that every emotion has a corresponding breathing pattern, right? So events happen in our life, positive events or positive negative events. And uh, negative events uh, remain stuck longer than positive events, right? So stuck now in your head? Stuck, stuck in our body, mind, physiology, memory, right? Uh, and that's what uh, post-trauma stress is also, right? Event has already happened, but today we think it is happening now, right? So we are somehow, we have not been able to de-link the emotion to the present moment. So that science is uh, every emotion has a specific breathing pattern. So when you are angry or sad or depressed or anxious, we will notice that our breathing pattern will change almost instantaneously. And it doesn't depend on whether you are a man or a woman or a Chinese or a Hindu or a Christian or living in Mongolia, right? It's very universal. And that reverse is also true. Using breath, you can manage your emotions. And that is empowerment at its truest, at its core is I want to be empowered so that I'm not a victim or a slave of my emotions. I can win over my emotions. I can manage my emotions. I think so that is the, that is the crux and that is what we have never been taught in school or at home. And if we can make that as uh, an educational component of, you know, of MBA programs of uh, police trainings, because it's all a matter of how does one handle our emotions, right? And today, like if you're working for somebody, why will you work for somebody who gets angry all the time? 
right or for example police officers they have so much trauma that they are exposed to how do they heal themselves you know no police officer is going to say chief i think i am having a mental health issue they are not trained to do that they are trained to be macho so you will have to introduce these uh, tools and techniques and wisdom and the science to disciplines like nursing teaching law enforcement where they need mind management the most <laughs> because if you don't manage your emotions your decisions are affected by your pre inhibitions your concepts your fears and uh, you know that is where there is a practical application of this wisdom of uh, india but it's universal wisdom i think in the note of having some having that type of practice for those professions like police officers teachers um other people that might it may be beneficial for everyone but specifically those people that maybe have trauma different forms would be extremely beneficial i think something that you mentioned on that point was how it's something that you can feel and i think for myself i i didn't really understand or know what meditation meant until i had felt it and i had felt the difference from before and after um and i think that for anyone who's trying out meditation or breath work or trying to become more aware of or or better able to manage their emotions it's something that you have to feel because once you feel the difference you won't go back and so i would love to hear about your story with discovering this concept of meditation and kind of maybe being able to plug it into when you first started to implement it beyond yourself that shell uh you know i am born and brought up in india but my first meditation class was in houston texas of all places <laughs> and uh, i had never learned yoga meditation and i i think it it was for losers right but life events come to you such that i had those challenges health challenges relationship challenges and i needed something that is not uh, drugs i did i, did, I didn't need to go that route <laughs> so somebody recommended me this workshop the mindful leadership program and i learned the breathing exercises and the first thought that came was shit why didn't i learn it before mm. right because so many exams that we go through in college there's tension there's anxiety yeah uh, relationships the break uh, breakups like all these things are part of human life and i realized that oh my god my life at shell is stressed not because of me but because of people around me <laughs> so i became a teacher within one year i became a teacher of these breathing exercises and i started teaching at shell in my lunch hour uh, but i was a petroleum engineer so my job was not to teach breathing exercises and uh, <clears throat> it took about 4 5 years till i became part of the innovation program at shell where uh, my boss at that time asked me about you know the role of breath managing emotions and innovation and creativity and the link is very obvious because you know in uh, the world of creativity you need intuition right you need intuition you need a gut feeling uh, in the world of innovation you do fail so you need to find that inner power inner resilience to 
give up the failure and come back and start working again that is where the meditative practices the breathing techniques i saw a direct link and i created a curriculum based on uh, you know my my own uh, acumen and uh, we trained about 2000 people at shell in about 18 months it went viral and this was a decade ago a decade ago uh, i was teaching the breathing techniques workshops in shell australia shell brazil shell dubai um, so that was my uh, experience that what i am teaching has a direct relevance to my work my workplace and my job which was improving the innovation uh, pipeline innovation culture at the workplace and so that is where i got the confidence that these uh, techniques and the wisdom is not just for stress management right because people who are stressed we usually say okay i need to go for a yoga class or i need to learn how to meditate uh, but think about like if you are not stressed if you are you know uh, wanting to enhance your aura your creativity uh, your leadership skills uh, the way you deal with situations that uh, is where meditation will definitely uh, give you that boost and here i will just take this time to make a subtle uh, difference that mindfulness which is a craze in america it's uh, it's not the right word because it's actually mindlessness mm. you know mindfulness is just a jargon that is used to avoid saying the word meditation so when people say oh i practice mindfulness meditation it's a joke what is mindfulness meditation it's a joke because meditation means the art of doing nothing and if you are now mindful <laughs> you are defeating the purpose it's like you are pressing the accelerator and the brake at the same time oh. so you know mindlessness should be the goal which means you are free you are you are not uh, thinking oh my god i had this thought oh my god i should look at a candle and focus oh my god let me eat one bite and the other bite that's being mindful mindlessness means you are free just like a child would be right free that's that's so, what everyone wants yeah day. and that uh, you know that is the freedom in your mind you are free another concept people have uh, when they come to the classes i teach is people will say uh, you know i sit for meditation and i have so many thoughts i don't think i can keep my mind still and so my response to them will be who told you that having thoughts is not good <laughs> <laughs> true right so yeah. this is where we have to go and learn from some authentic teacher who is going to train not based on reading books or concepts uh, so meditation is the simplest because all you are doing is nothing everyone can do that <laughs> and when i started teaching that at workplace like 2000 people like i mentioned right and when i used to explain or demystify what meditation is and i used to say it's the art of doing nothing people used to laugh and they used to say john in my team meditates 
He does nothing. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So, yeah, I think it's, you know, a life skill that is worth learning. And the pandemic actually is a very uh, good excuse to learn about how our breath can transform our emotions. Keep yeah, yourself mentally fit. Uh, because the pandemic is telling us the, the role of the lungs, the low role of your nasal channels, right? We have to keep, that's our responsibilities. How do we keep our immunity high? Could we dive uh, into that space, yes. um, the pandemic particularly, and how um, it essentially it created, it created a space of, of pause in a sense um, for many people, many organizations, um, and while many people were still doing things and maybe too many things, it also gave us more space to be still and to be in um, maybe one place, a few places and kind of have more time for ourselves. And we were just talking about this right before we hopped on, but it kind of created a way for people to recalibrate and to use the pause and the stillness to, to sit and think like, what, what do I what do I want? What am I doing? How, what are my relationships like? And really kind of observe themselves in their situations. So I'd love to hear a bit from you in terms of what you think the, the pandemic has done um, for people and for society as a whole and how people can use it, even hopefully if it's at the tail end of its time to look at their future and in a different way, in a different light. Yeah, I think the pandemic sadly becomes a, you know, a spiritual wake up call. And uh, it's the time when uh, people who are change makers, leaders, influencers, we have to be even more alert and even more active in promoting harmony, uh, giving people a boost uh, from, you know, people have lost hope, People have lost jobs. People have uh, fear in their life. I have experienced this, that um, I'm thinking, what's my dad doing now? Has he worn a mask? Is he going, is he taking care of it? Like all these things are part of every household, right? Yeah. So we were forced to make certain changes in our lifestyles, whether we were a police officer, a nurse, a father, a mother, a school teacher, everybody had to change uh, our own life and recalibrate what are we doing to keep ourselves healthy, fit. Uh, because there was no logical reason of who got the virus and who did not. Yeah. So it was, uh, uh, and when the Delta variant, the second wave happened, it was even more uh, shocking because within a small span of time cases hit at least in india and there was oxygen shortage people were worried so that is where we have to uh, empower ourselves to manage our own negative emotions if we don't manage our negative emotions because they they are uh, you know part of life is having negative emotions right anger, frustration, sadness, all these are em human emotions. But the, 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 what happens is they come in our life like a creeper, right? They build and build and build, and then some trigger happens and somebody blows up. 
right and then the person that is close to you will say hey look what happened like you were good till yesterday but uh, the mechanics of these negative emotions are that they grow right and that is our responsibility is just like we brush our teeth every day so that we should not have dental hygiene issues down the road we should have some time in our life maybe 10 minutes 20 minutes to focus on our mental hygiene right so that is where the breath exercises can be like a toothpaste and a toothbrush where you are cleaning your mind every day as a habit uh so much that it should become part of your life like you know i will not leave the home till i have done my breath exercises just like we don't leave our home till we brush our teeth hopefully right uh, we don't get any joy out of that brushing our teeth every day morning we don't look at the mirror and we say wow man i brushed my teeth today it's so awesome we don't say that right we don't do that we just mechanically brush and move on it has to be like that we have to be so programmed that i'm going to meditate and then i'm going to do whatever i need to do that self care needs to be part of our life nobody else can care for you especially if you are a high stress uh person with high stress like law enforcement nurse mother teacher like all these job profiles you have to be even more attuned to self care because by nature you are picking up other people's stress so that is my request to whoever is learning uh, who are listening this uh, podcast is uh, make self care a priority and the second question that we should ask ourselves if you are a leader of influence is what am i doing for my organization or the planet <laughs> because the whole world has changed upside down and you don't know who is coming to your organization as your employee i should provide people with these tools i should have them they should have access to these tools so we should remove the taboo from the words meditation mental well being that we can do as a leader of influence by declaring that hey i meditate i do yoga every day i have one example you know one of the shell leaders uh, number 5 lady at uh, at shell this was a decade ago uh, she was the head of corporate affairs and when i used to teach my meditation class she somehow heard about it she invited me to her her office and uh, she told me look the yoga mat goes wherever i go she had a yoga mat in her office and so i remember i asked her roxan do your staff know this she said no i said then you have to tell so you know you just have to share that doing yoga is okay because in so many cultures so many traditions people think yoga is hindu of course it is a a, a philosophy that was that is from india but it is not meant for indians only right right <laughs> it's universal and it's 2022 so it's like you know you eat chinese food you don't become chinese right you listen to beethoven music you don't become german you use your laptop your ipod your iphone comes from probably vietnam 
you're not from Vietnam. So if we can accept technology, food, music from different parts of the world, why not wisdom from different parts of the world, especially if it's good for you? And you will know that only when you have tried it. Right. So I think we should have an open mind that today the world is in a mess. The world is a global village. We are all connected. Let me learn, you know, everybody's online. Let me Google and learn. If I can learn meditation class, the teacher can be in India, <laughs> right? You can learn something authentic. And if you like it, keep it. If not, flush it. I agree. And how, how are you doing that today in terms of taking that work um, and being able to give it to other people as you do? Um, and are there any areas specifically that you're focused on in terms of bringing those practices to specific people and in groups today? Uh, I started a habit uh, 18 months ago when the lockdown started in Los Angeles is I add five new people on LinkedIn every day. That's how I found you. Uh, and I try to have one new conversation every day. Uh, it just expands my lateral networks. It gives me hope that hey, there are other good people out there and uh, people know that I teach meditation. So I started teaching online and, uh, you know, for me, it's a, it's an honor to host uh, workshops for World Economic Forum executives meeting with former gang members from South LA. Those conversations may not ever happen, but I feel blessed that I'm hosting them. So that's uh, the power of uh, this online revolution uh, forced by the pandemic. I think that's the one silver lining that we, we could all have done Zoom 10, 10 years ago, but somehow we did not. Like this is how the online world has uh, expanded. So I do teach once a month uh, to friends. I don't advertise it. I only invite people that I know. And uh, today, I feel like my work that started in Los Angeles has reached uh, communities in Minneapolis, Rochester. I have also trained uh, police chiefs of Nashville, of Seattle. And just last week, I uh, got a contract from the UN mission in Cyprus to be a peace builder for a 50 year conflict between Turkey and Greece. So I, I feel blessed, you know, I feel really blessed of meeting people who are wanting to be a change maker in their community. And uh, my, my uh, request to whoever is listening is, uh, you know, reach out to people who are seemingly not like you <laughs> and uh, see what you can do with each other. I love that. And congratulations on the UN contract. That's an amazing thing. And I don't think that there's anyone better fit to be running it. Um, given that I've, I've actually taken your, a, a part of your course on kind of building the school, the, the tool, sorry, um, for meditation and what it brings to you. So I'm excited to see what happens even a year from two years, five years, 10 years from now and see, how the region can adapt given a lot of the principles that you bring it. And so super exciting stuff. I would love to wrap up and it seems like a lot of this episode has been filled with this underlying tone, but 
why does why does this matter why does it matter why does your work matter my work uh, my work has uh, a, a dimension that we haven't spoken yet i think that dimension matters even more that dimension is that there is a business of violence there is a business for drugs there is a business of human trafficking right there is money involved can we create a similar business for peace compassion love kindness can we monetize all these good human values can we make peace profitable that's my overarching work for the last 5 years yes meditation is part of that because without inner peace outer peace is not sustainable but only meditation is not enough people need to have a job people need to have economic development prosperity right so that is where my work is a little different that i'm working at the intersection of peace and prosperity both are needed in the transformation of a community so if uh, we are looking at the business for peace then my work has just started because business doesn't consider peace as something they should get involved in because they say that uh, you know reducing violence stopping violence is the job of the government sector or the un or the non governmental sector but that is where i'm uh, looking at sustainable goal number 16 is peace and security and can we create a monetizable uh, business for peace i think that is why my work matters because if we can find it for different situations of violence and every brand can look at this uh, how they can play a role uh in not just you know the other aspects of sustainability which is you know climate change and carbon emissions and plastics in the ocean but we are missing a fundamental point that if we do not promote peace compassion social cohesion harmony then uh, we may not have a planet we may not have a humanity today that is the need of the hour polar it's the whole world is polarized you go to any country it's polarized so that is where i think business still has the trust politicians have lost trust according to me media is losing its trust so business can play that role and that is where it's a white space like i don't know of any business today that says you know what my mission is promoting peace on the planet right so that is the that is why my work matters because whoever is listening if you know you are like look just out of uh, business administration program with a social impact uh, lens come let's let's create that business for peace uh, let's do it that's that's super exciting so thank you a great note and on and i also want to say that i think it it really is an interesting interesting way to put it an interesting lens to look through in terms of a lot of a lot of businesses exist now some of those businesses are existing based on the right word i guess i guess preying a bit on on negative emotions and things and just thinking that if that was done why can't you do the same thing but for for positive things and i believe that 
people like yourself and people that are working on these topics and myself can can come together and create a super exciting thing and, and be surrounded by great people and, and move this thing forward. Uh, so thank you for playing a part in that and coming and having a conversation and getting into the details of your story and, and why it matters. So thank you for being a guest. That's great. Thank you, Luke, for hosting this. Uh, wish you all the best. And that wraps up today's episode. If you enjoyed the show, follow us on LinkedIn at Why It Matters and on Instagram at Why underscore it underscore matters underscore. You will find our community of guests and listeners who are forming the next generation of changemakers. Come join the group of people leading humanity into the future. I'll see you all soon.